my my personal evil mission in life is to tell the world about animal agriculture and this is a big part of it is that we have to harvest the animal to get the meat out of them we have to harvest them because that's that's uh that's how we make them uh useful to us as humans so that we can get the food but it's it is a mystery because so many people are are so separated from the farm now many generations in fact um where people don't know where their food comes from especially meat products Welcome to MeatsPad, a platform dedicated to sharing breakthrough knowledge that is accessible to the meats industry. On each episode, we will hear from meat specialists and professionals to talk about numerous topics in meat science. This podcast is brought to you by the U.S. Meat Export Federation, Ultrasource, the new standard for innovation, IFA, Meat Processing Power, FiscoFan is a global leader and innovative partner in the food industry who provides solutions for the casing market. Hello, me folks. Welcome back to the Inspire Podcast. And uh, after one year, um, we are face to face with Dr. Bass. How are you? I'm excited as usual, Francisco. Thanks for thanks for having me back. Um, for the the listeners out there, you may notice that the audio is just a little bit different. And that's because we are indeed in the same room. Oftentimes, we're not when we are conducting our podcasts. Um, but uh, it's it's great to be back. And today, uh, we're gonna. You know, there's there's been a little bit of travel between the two of us, hasn't there? We've we've kind of been out conquering the world, making the 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 world a better place for meat enthusiasts, as we like to say. Um, and uh, surprisingly, um, both uh, Francisco and I were in Europe recently, both in Spain. But Francisco, you were also in another country, is that right? Yeah. So we were uh, at the IFA show, since like most of our, our listenership uh, have heard and, and see our on our social media. And what's what's the IFA? The IFA is, uh, they, they celebrate it every three years. Mm-hmm. It's a, an expo, expo show. Uh, it's an expo. It's, it's in Frankfurt, Germany. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. It's, where, it's that opportunity where all the equipment companies that they do or manufacture equipment for the meat industry, from kill floor, processing, packaging, labeling, you name it, mm-hmm. everything for the meat industry. And it's a, a good opportunity every three years to convene. And it was awesome. I think it was my first year uh, going to this show, and you basically have people from around the world. And you had a chance to interview a number of those folks yeah. there for the for the our frequent listeners. Hopefully, you've been able to hear a couple of the more recent podcasts. And if you haven't, go back and listen to them. But Francisco uh, wasn't bashful at all, and and just was out there interviewing folks right there on the trade show floor. Is that right? Yes, that was a good a good opportunity to uh, to know. What some of the new technologies, some of the new tendencies in the meat industry. I saw a lot of a lot of machinery, a lot of new alternatives for plant-based products. Okay. A lot of the machines are they they even had a dedicated room for plant-based. Mm-hmm. And from what I saw, uh, a lot of those all those equipment, um, they're targeting hybrid processing where mm-hmm. you can have maybe fifty percent plant-based and fifty percent. Uh, protein coming mm-hmm. coming from meat, meat animal pork, protein. yes. So it's interesting to see that 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 trend in the market, and absolutely, I think that's going to be something that we, we will see in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the market's not going anywhere. So, well, there's definitely a lot of interest out there for either a 100% plant based or some type of mixture, uh, and and uh, um, that's interesting to see that or hear. I didn't see it, um, but to hear that the uh, uh, machinery manufacturers are trying to address that interest 
of the processors is to try to find machinery that can work with both different types of protein. Because I'm assuming there's a bit of a difference between animal and, and plant-based yeah. proteins. Yeah. And for the most part, it's not as hard to have the hybrid. And mm -hmm. most of the equipment, when we talk about vacuum stuffers, we talk about uh, clippers, we talk about packaging. I mean, mostly you there's some things that you have to change, but it can be done. Like if, if you take all that stuff into consideration. Uh, what was the most unique thing that you observed at the IFA, at the IFA show, if you can recall? Because uh, it, it, it sounds like it's almost an overwhelming experience from, from the folks that I know who have had a chance to see this show um, and see the new technologies that are there. Um, and and uh, it, I, I know that the, the folks creating these uh, new pieces of machinery, they're, they're absolute geniuses when it comes to the engineering that they put into it. Um, is there anything that comes to mind that really stood out to you? Honestly, I... I Yes, there's a couple of things or many things that stood out to me. The main one, uh, for those of you that, that don't that they don't know, I actually came a week earlier uh, from the IFA. The IFA was from the uh, 11th, 10th through the 16th. Uh, that was mm -hmm. a week. I, I don't know where where, where today is, but yeah. <laughs> so a week before the IFA show, we went and and visited some uh, meat plants in northern Germany in mm -hmm. Aldenburg. And that was a thing that really that impacted me. Uh, we we asked the company Goldmausch, is a, one of the big big beef import producers in Germany. Mm -hmm. We asked them if we could go into the plant and uh, record some video, some footage, and do some some podcasting with the managers and the and the people within the plant. And at first, I thought, I'm this long shot. They, there was no way they're going to let us do... Because, you know, mm -hmm. uh, we, when you go into into the... Especially the slaughter part, mm -hmm. when you do all the stunning and exsanguination, it's so graphic. There's and, reluctance. And sometimes, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but you know what? Their their answer was, right now we have a lot of hate in the meat industry. Because mm -hmm. they, they, all the, these, these haters out there, they, mm -hmm. they, they think like we, we don't do a good job stunning the animals humanely mm -hmm. and we, t we talk about this with dr vogel and you so that that we do we do all we do our best um uh, from from the actual animal welfare from transportation all the way to the stunning so the animal they don't suffer we do mm -hmm. them humanely yeah and so their their take was on this you know what we're gonna let you record everything yeah and so we we're still editing. It's just like a four hours of footage in wow. the plant. We did the beef and the pork uh, plant, and I think the 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 material that will coming uh, will be uploaded soon. I think that's what we need in the meat industry. Yes. Show yeah. show those consumers. A lot of people they don't know where the beef come from. They don't. They just I know there was again we we talk about some folks that they they I think it was one thing that. Uh, uh, it, it went viral kind of like two years ago that uh, a kid said, oh, milk comes from the fridge. Yep. Like they don't know. Yeah. People don't know where their food comes from. Yeah. Right. And I think it's. We have it's, to show that. Yep. And sometimes, and I don't know what you think, but in our industry, sometimes we tend to hide. Yep. As though if we are, we're doing a something wrong. Right. I don't know what you think of that. that that's. Well, I mean. <clears throat> My my personal evil mission in life is to tell the world about animal agriculture, and this is a big part of it, is that we have to harvest the animal to get the meat out of them. We have to harvest them because that's 
that's uh, that's how we make them uh, useful to us as humans, so that we can get the food. But it's it is a mystery because so many people are are so separated from the farm now, many generations, in fact, um, where people don't know where their food comes from, especially meat products. I think there's a lot of interest, and I think what you did is is a great service to the European industry. And hopefully we can apply it here domestically in, in uh, North America. Um, for those who are out there that do have interest in, in uh, observing some of these harvesting practices, done very, very well. Um, Dr. Temple Grandin had, uh, had conducted a few videos in the past. Um, she called it the Glass Walls Project. Yep. Um, that's available at animalhandling.org. So go check that out. But hopefully these new videos will just continue to help educate and bring to light what it is that we do, and we're doing a good thing. It, it really is. We're doing a good thing. We're providing food to the world, and we're we're respecting the animal, and that's the, that's that's super important. And we need to tell that story. So, I, I I'm grateful for you being able to go and do that, and and seeing that other um, that that side of the industry. It's important for folks, and, and we talk about this regularly on the podcast here, but it's important to get out there and experience other cultures and see how things are done differently. And I would assume from your experience being in Kansas beef plants, um, uh, you, you could see uh, compare and contrast that of a European style harvest facility. Is that right? For the most part, uh, I think they're very similar. I mean, uh, as far as the processing, I mean, the cutting is a little bit way different. They, mm -hmm. they do a lot of the cutting on the, on the rail, but with uh, machinery, with, mm -hmm. with sauce, and and it's a little bit different, especially in this plant. I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not I cannot say with, uh, I cannot talk about other plants, but this plant, they were doing mostly most most of the of the fabrication on the rail, mm -hmm. like basically just quartering the animal and, and selling it. So especially this company, and also in Spain, they were shipping quarters mm -hmm. like to yeah another large facility. subprimals there's right. a lot of butcher shops that actually still buy whole halves and quarters um in the european market and and they still know how to operate with that which is to me is absolutely fascinating i love to see that honestly um when i was in in uh, over over there in europe and, and francisco um uh, mentioned uh you know we missed each other by about three days but um uh, did get a chance to uh, go up into northern Spain and as well as Francisco did, but um, kind of see a unique um, a part of Spanish culture even with, uh, with what's known as the Basque culture. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I, I went all the way down into southern Navarra, which is still very, very northern Spain, <laughs> um, but drastic different country um uh, southern navarra you see um uh, fighting bull ranches it's yep. still it's still a popular um uh event in in spain and france um in portugal all through the iberian peninsula um uh, and 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 got to see how those folks have actually transitioned over the recent years to you know the the festivals where they would where they would run bulls down the down the street and by the way it's not just in Pamplona where you see the running of the bulls apparently every little town in Spain pretty much has one of these uh, maybe maybe not quite as many and maybe not quite as aggressive but they do have festivals with yeah. with cattle um, they couldn't do that for the last two years and so they've been diversifying into the meat world which if you're familiar with them I think it's the Toro Brava uh, breed is the is the specific breed that they use for fighting bulls um they're they're intentionally bred for their aggression um 
and and uh, which makes it kind of hard to work with the calves. And and the what I'm going with here is that they started breeding a few of their their uh, cows to Charlay bulls. And they said, man, these calves are so much easier to work with. They're so much easier to put an ear tag in and give them their shots and everything. But they're diversifying because they needed to find another another source of income. And and it's probably a really good thing. It's hard to um, continue to make a business sustainable by just focusing on one area, in this case, the fighting bulls. And they're, they're diversifying now into not just fighting bulls for festivals, but also getting more into the meat world, which they're finding some great income for, for their area. Um, while I was in, in, uh, in Spain as well, um, I, we, we, uh, in my day job at the university of Idaho, um, we have a collaboration with the university of Pamplona or uh, excuse me, uh, the public university of Navarra in Pamplona. Yeah, you gotta be careful there because <laughs> there is a university of Navarra. That's, there is. And yeah. the university, uh, and then public, university. The public university. Yeah. university <laughs> very, very different. But, um, uh, the public university of Navarra, Dr. Kizkitsa in Sausti, if you, if you can understand any of the Spanish podcasts that, uh, Francisco has conducted in the past, he has interviewed Dr. Kizkitsa, but anyway, her and I have, have collaborated on a, on a number of projects in the past. And so we had a chance to go and visit with her. The mission of USMEF is to increase the value and profitability of the U.S. beef, pork, and lamb industries by enhancing demand for their products and export markets through a dynamic partnership of all stakeholders. Simply put, USMEF is putting U.S. meat on the world's table. One of the big takeaways for me was a chance to go and visit with one of our partners here on the podcast, um, ViscoFan. Yeah. That, oh, that's, we, oh my gosh. Yeah, that, I'm still recovering <laughs> from that I, in, in a good way because good way, it's yes. a, a lot. I mean, we went to, and I don't know if you, they told you, but this is the, the largest casing establishment or yeah. facility in the world. In they the do, world. Yeah. they do everything pretty much there. They do fibrous casing. They do collagen casing, which I was impressed by like the collagen casing, mm-hmm. by the way. And we'll talk here in a minute about that. Yeah. Um, Cellulose casing. Yeah. I mean, they 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 manufacture plastic casing. Plastic, yeah, yeah, they do it, a lot. And and interleaving. So so like so the little pieces of plastics that go between cheese and go between slices of meat and things yeah. like that. I mean, it's it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, I think that was an excellent experience. Uh, it was it was changing. Uh, what changing to me? The way to to, I mean, just seeing the plant the how how they do the collagen it was just it was amazing and, and it's not the only plant in the world right they right. have they have multiple plants but i think uh it was a good opportunity and just for the just to to those folks listening um so collagen casing if uh, that's probably a should be a good episode to talk about yeah. how that how that's <laughs> manufactured because yeah. it's it's an art it is yeah a lot I of mean, chemistry a lot of, a lot of engineering um, to make these edible casing products that are not, um, they're not hog casing. They're not, they're not intestinal casing like you would traditionally see. Um, they're very consistent and, and very straight, but you can also put a curve to them if you wanted. It's an extrusion process using a byproduct of the, uh, livestock harvesting world. Um, they're using, they're using the underlining, yeah. uh, collagen that's found on the under, underside of hide. In the past, it would have just it would have been an, a, a, a have no value, and they found this value that now we can actually use this for making edible casings, 
um, for sausages and frankfurters and all kinds of cool things. Yeah, and they, and they mostly uh, there's been this movement for uh, quite a few years now. Um, if those facilitators are doing some uh, using some natural casings, so natural casings, you want to do I want to do more. I want to yeah. do I want to I want to increase. I want to double my production. And they're, these guys are starting to see, well, you want to double your production, they, they change into some collagen casings to yep. just finish off earlier yep. in the day. So and we'll be putting um, some stuff like that because we had the opportunity also to do some uh, podcasting with Jesus Esparza. He's mm -hmm. the, the lead in the R&D. Okay. And it's amazing what they do. For every law that they produce, they have a little plant. Where they test everything. Yep. All the law that goes that that goes out the door. Yep. They test it, and it's just, I, it's just good. I I don't wanna I don't wanna give more information about all that stuff, but, um, I think we'll need some of your help for that translation because yeah. mostly it was done in 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 Spanish or Castellanos, how they say it. They, they don't yeah. say Spanish. They say <laughs> I speak Castellano. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Spanish. Yeah. So, uh, I I think it was overall. Overall, a good good experience and yeah. and highly recommend you have the opportunity to go abroad and especially yeah. not not only for being a meat scientist or food scientist i think it's always good to and we we talk about this a lot mm -hmm. a lot like how important it is to speak at least another language mm -hmm. uh, understand the other culture and um, you kind of become uh, a by Bicultural, I, mm -hmm. I call it. We, Multicultural. You, yeah, because yeah. one way is, one thing is to understand the language, and the other thing is to understand the culture. Yeah. And by immersing yourself in and just getting to know what what they do, and I think that I think we need more on that. But I think there's a lot of people in right now in in, in the United States that they I don't know if you you've you've seen that but a lot of the the parents are teaching a lot of the kids more and more not only Spanish but other languages. Mm -hmm. It's important. I mean, it just Little you opens your business opportunities. You want yes. to call it business opportunities because you, you you have, I don't know, 50%. You can do all the other 50 that if you speak another language. Yeah. I don't know. I'm probably, probably talking too much now, but it's emphasizing the importance of just speaking two, three, four languages. Well, and, and just experiencing other cultures too is very welcoming to the rest of the world. Whether whether you 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 travel all the way to Spain or you travel just south to to Mexico or you go to Canada for crying out loud, just experiencing some other culture makes you more well rounded as a business person and it allows for uh, a just I think it, it uses a different part of your brain, um, and and that's important to continually progress in your business helping your customer. I tell you if you do want to learn more about meat processing. Um, different ways of cutting meat. Go check out Europe because those guys are true craftsmen. They're they're absolutely true craftsmen. And really, every little butcher shop around has these amazing craftspeople um, that we can learn something from. And so, um, yeah, get out there, travel. Um, I know I know it was worthwhile for me. It was about a week for me, Francisco. You spent a little bit more time over in Europe, um, and uh, I I'm excited to get back. So absolutely, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we for sure uh, keep keep uh, sending you uh, all this stuff, all good stuff, and, and hopefully you guys like it, and we continue to do this. Yep. Thank you, everyone. Take care.